your thoughts are not you and that you're actually in charge of them. Who's in charge? You or your thoughts. And when you realize that you're actually in charge and you can really influence what you allow to hang out in your mind, there's there's a lot of power there. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Stay Hungry podcast. Today, I've got a special guest, Carla Reeves, and we're going to be talking about living boldly, authentically, and aligned with your values. Carla, welcome to the Stay Hungry podcast. Hey, Joel. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you are welcome. So for our listeners, just let us know a little bit about you, please. Yeah, so I am, I'm in Arizona, so that's the part of the world I'm in. I am uh, married, been married for over 20 years, have two newly grown adult sons. So an 18-year-old who is still living at home, just graduated, and a 20-year-old who is uh, in the Navy. And I have um, been coaching, gosh, gosh, now for over 10 years. I'm a coach and mentor for I call them hyper achievers, but high achievers who really love the work they do, but they're committed to building a life while they grow a business and really helping them create that balance. And like we talked about living in alignment with their values while they're doing work that they love. And uh, I also am a host of the Differently podcast. And yeah, just somebody who I feel like I've always been on this mission to squeeze the juice out of this gift of life and help others do the same. <laughs> yeah, that's what that's what I was going to ask is kind of what what led you to this point? Why are you helping people do this? Yeah, so half of my life I lived uh kind of feeling victim to my circumstances <laughs> and kind of trapped by my own mind and my own thinking and my own limited view of myself and what was possible and what I was capable of. And I went through divorce um, in my early 20s. And that was a huge pivot point for me of I knew in my heart there had to be another way of doing life. And it became my mission to figure that out. Up until that point, I had kind of been checking the boxes, you know, that I thought I thought I was doing everything right, you know, <laughs> like checking the boxes that led to happiness and fulfillment. And I had checked a lot of those boxes. And while everything looked good on the outside, inside, I felt empty and sort of vacant. You know, I'd become a master of making everything look good on the outside. Um, but I, I'd... I didn't know how to take care of the inside and me kind of made that my mission. I knew there had to be a different way of doing life and that became my mission and I did it for myself. And then that led to really serving and helping other people do the same. I, I can relate to this, <laughs> um, but <laughs> when, when high achievers approach you, what is the problem that they usually have? Yeah. So the problems usually show up like they're either in some sort of big change or transition. And they, I think they have some level of awareness, like they don't want to repeat these patterns that keep showing up. Or they're at a place where they just want to level up their life, but they keep bumping up against the same barriers and they don't, they don't know what to do. Or they're having some sort of relationship friction. And I guess the fourth one would be that life looks really good on paper. Um, they have a successful life according to what everybody else thinks, but inside there's a disconnect. They don't experience that. 
So kind of what would be the first step then when someone comes to you and I guess they don't even know what's wrong? Yeah, so I mean, the first step is really just a conversation to just kind of explore what's happening, what they've been bumping up against, what are those patterns um, to make sure we're a really good fit to work together. But once we've identified that we are a fit to work together, the first piece of the work I do with people is really to uncover what I call your survival model. So after a number of years of coaching, I started to notice that there were some patterns and people would start coaching and they would they would want to change jobs or change relationships or move to a new city or create some change in their life. And I started to feel like there was something there that um, it wasn't really the change that they wanted. And I started to get curious about that. And I would ask people and I still ask people what's the urgency of making that change? And could you suspend that for like a month? And what we do in that first part of our work together is really lay out these your survival model, which is made up of your thinking, your patterns of behavior, your unfulfilling results, and help people see what that is. Because your survival model, it literally helped you to survive at some point in your life. And it worked really well. The problem is you've probably reached a point where it's you're you're not in that environment that you had to survive anymore, but you're still behaving as if you are, and it, that's what's keeping you from what you want. And so, if I can help people see that first and get outside of that model before they make the change, then they can have sustainable change. Because you probably know this, but you get to the new relationship or the new job or the new city things feel better for a while because it's new. And then those same old things show up again. And that's because wherever you go, there you are. And if you don't break those cycles inside of yourself and your own patterns, you just end up recreating them, not intentionally, right? With the best of intentions, but they resurface. And so my goal is really to help people create that true change that can last and sustain. And that's what I practice in my own life. And I want to pay that forward. We, everybody has habits right and and you'll have habits in regards to your relationship habits in regards to money habits in regards to what you eat when you exercise how you do business how you speak to family how you speak to friends and some of those habits don't serve you the more successful you become uh to give an example um i come from a and an, a background with no money uh so my financial education quite quite poor um and what that will mean if you're not careful is if you've never had money you don't know how to keep it and so as you become more successful you have this habit of sort of losing money it doesn't even feel like you're spending it you're just losing money now i'm quite fortunate that i'm i identified that before it became a problem but i know loads of business owners that they they can't understand why their business is 10 times bigger than it was when they started, but they have nothing to show for it. That's so true. And that shows up in, you know, relationships, right? A lot There's people that just leave relationships and don't know how to keep them, whether it's a business partner or friendships or a marriage. Um, because for, for that exact same reason, if they grew up in an environment where they didn't experience healthy relationships, they often have beliefs about their own ability to be in relationships or their own 
um, whether they're lovable, whatever it is. And without realizing it, they have behaviors that push people out of their life. And that's some of the most fulfilling work I do is helping people shift those behaviors so that they can start to experience relationship and intimacy in a whole different way. Yeah. So talk me through what lifepreneurship is. Yeah. So lifepreneurship is this concept that I just really came to me like within the last year. And it just makes me so happy because (laughs) it embodies everything I've been teaching all these years into like a word or an umbrella. But it's this idea of being the entrepreneur of your own life. And you know, as as business owners and CEOs, we're we're so good at taking that role on in our business and in our work, um, but we often get lopsided in and consumed by work. And so, lifepreneurship is about taking those same incredible um, approaches that we use in entrepreneurship and applying them all over our life, so that we can create a more well-rounded life. And it's using. It's really helping people channel their incredible drive and energy into all areas of their life instead of just one. Yeah, no, I like that. It's it's interesting that the skills are transferable, but not many people realize. Yes, exactly. And there's, you know, there's a set of principles, but it's like innovation and creativity and alignment and all of those things that we do, we use in business, but um, you know, having that mission and a set of values that drives you and that you are constantly kind of looking to and assessing like are things lining up? Am I am is my life a reflection of my highest values? We do that in business so almost without even thinking about it. But when you start to apply that to your life, you can really create some incredible shifts. Yeah, so true. So living boldly, authentically, and in line with your values. Um, what do you mean by live boldly? Yeah, so I'll just relate it back to my own story. So um, for me, I struggled with confidence my entire life. Um, I remember like in grade school, I, you know, I would get all good grades, but I remember that there was like a box about confidence and that box would always be marked. And I remember my mom telling me like that I struggled with confidence and that sh- started to shift when I got to high school, but it's something that I have to um, kind of work at always, even still. And so for me, it was like the living boldly is really um, taking action in your life, even when it feels scary, even when you don't feel confident um, for the sake of something much greater. So the the way I've created a business and um, created a podcast and and became a speaker is is through doing that. Is I never wanted really to do it. I never wanted to speak in public, um, but I knew I had a message and something bigger than me that just called me to do it and would have me show up shaking in my boots. Um, you know, even still, I don't really not let this kind of conversation. I love this now, and I love doing my podcast, getting in on a stage in front of a group. I don't really ever want to do that, <laughs> but I have a mission that's bigger and I just show up and it gets easier and you build muscle and you gain confidence. And so it's taking those actions that you're afraid of because there's something bigger that matters to you. And it's like, um, I went skydiving a number of years ago and it's kind of like the, you know, skydiving every day. 
in just some little way, taking a risk like we do in business, right? We take risks all the time in business. You kind of have that. Uh, everybody assumes that if you're in business, if you're a CEO um, high up in, a, in an organization, you must be confident. It's, it's kind of like a, a prerequisite. And yet I know, and I know a lot of our listeners, and I know a lot of our clients who they're actually loud introverts. They, they love um, getting on with the task and, and cracking the code and getting through things and unpicking things. But then when you say to them, well, I need you to go into a room full of people and tell them what you do and how you do it, a little bit of them dies inside. <laughs> it's, that, it's that kind of, um, it's a different kind of confidence. And, and it's like you say, you're doing it for the bigger purpose. So when I tell people, I've just been on a podcast about confidence and said I'm not confident, they, they think you're crazy. They're, they're like, of course you're confident. You, you run a successful business. You've got a podcast. You talk on stage. I do it all because of the mission, because of the values. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. I, I used to think I was an extrovert. And as I've gotten older, I, I don't think I am at all. I think I'm way more introverted. But you're right. It's And it, it does get easier. But I, I live with a question of what would confidence do? And that helps me all the time because my mind is constantly telling me to you know, uh, shrink and hide out. And my heart tells me, no, get bigger, you know, be visible and share what's on your heart. But um, that question of what would confidence do that helps me a lot. Um, you know, it's so simple, so simple. But yeah, and, and the, the same thing is true for mindset. You know, I teach mindset, I teach people how to manage their minds, not because I do that perfectly in my own life. It's truly because I practice that every single day. Like I'm an overthinker myself. And so I have to manage that myself. And I've become an expert because I have to do it so much in my own life. Yeah. <laughs> but how can you how can you run a successful business and not be an overthinker? <laughs> it does, the, the two things not don't work. Possible. Because you're, yeah, it's, it's really interesting when when you look at it like that, that whole walking into a group a group of people and having to sell your wares is arguably one of the most terrifying things you can do and yet you make yourself do it over and over and over and over again and the the mindset piece like you say is what would the confident me do because the secret to confidence is kind of realizing that nobody has it and 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 that everybody's brain is trying to protect them and if you if you if you remember that, then you're all level. It, it, everybody's got the same thing to overcome. Mm, that's so true. I remember uh, years ago, I got asked to come coach like some senior executives inside of a company, and I hadn't done that before. And I immediately just was like, kind of frozen. Like, who am I to go and do that? Like, these people manage hundreds of people. They do stuff I've never done. Like, how could I do that? And then I had to kind of sit back and really think about it. And, you know, I don't, I realized I don't have to be the expert on what they do. They're the experts on that. I get to be the expert on what I do. And when I was willing to just show up and do it, what I learned was that 
it doesn't matter what level of the organization you are, how much money you make. They're all dealing with the same human things that I help people with. And they're all dealing with the overthinking and a mind that wants to derail you. And, you know, it's, it was really enlightening. <laughs> they're, they're having that same moment. Oh, there's a coach coming in to see us. What have we done wrong? What's going to happen? <laughs> That's right. That's right. So we've, we've covered bold and I think, I think almost what we're saying is when you're at your very best what decision would you make mm. and and flow with that whether in business personal whatever what about authenticity because this is a word that's thrown around a lot at the moment it's a buzzword that has kind of been overused stolen <laughs> yeah so how do we what do we mean when we say authentically yeah, so authentic for me just means um, kind of true, kind of pure. Um, and the story behind that for myself is, you know, living, checking the boxes and kind of making everything look good on the outside. Um, I was completely kind of ignoring the truth of who I was. And the way that I got access to who I really was, um, was through writing and journaling. Um, and that helped me to get through the facade of look, trying to look good, trying to be something for other people, trying to please other people. And when you, when you pull all that stuff away is when you get to what's true. And that's really what I help my clients do is they don't need clarity. They don't so much need advice. They need help pulling away all the crap that's in the way of them just living true to that. And so for me, it's getting past all of the, the noise and the stuff that's in front of that. It's not like you have to find your authenticity or find your true self. Like it's already there. It's just covered up by a bunch of life and a bunch of experiences and a bunch of crud that's built up. And so when you start to pull that away is when you just find what's true and real. And so for me, writing was a way of like just pushing through all of that. And I remember one day in my journal, I, I felt like this girl skipped across the page of my notebook and was like, I want to I want to know her. And that was me. That was just me finally just being able to just be, just be. And I, the, is, the more I let that voice come out on the pages of my journal, the more that started to just come out in everyday life. And when you start to, when you have freedom to be yourself in every facet of your life, life gets more alive and more fun and more interesting and more joyful and more everything. Does that make sense? Uh, that's so cool. So um, I find as a business owner, and it, it's taken me 13 years to get to the point where I'm comfortable with this or the point where I realized this was important. The more vulnerable I am, the more people move towards me. Um, that's in my personal life, in my business life, clients, suppliers, staff. The more I'm willing to expose my true self, the more successful I become. And everybody is taught the opposite. <laughs> you, you hide that side because that's the bit that nobody wants to know about. That's the bit that uh, 
that you're trying to get away from with your success, perhaps. Um, and it's it's really interesting that you mentioned something there about journaling. So I journal every day. Um, I suspect you journal every day. Talk talk to me how that helps a hyper achiever um, find their way. Yeah. So <clears throat> I have um, journaled off and on for a lot of years through a lot of different um, stages and seasons of my life, but. For a hyperachiever, I think one, and you know, hyperachievers are the overthinkers like we were talking about. And so journaling is a way to just empty your mind. Like you think about, we take out the trash every day in our homes, um, but we don't often take out the trash of our mind. And so journaling to me is, is a way that you empty the trash, you empty the mental noise. And so the more you can do that, um, especially during certain times or seasons or challenges that you're facing, it, when you empty the noise, then there's, you can access something different. And so most people are living just inside of the noise and trying to make their way. And it's a lot harder, but if you can get in a practice of emptying that, you can really get to under what's underneath the noise. And I'll give you an example, but a few weeks ago, that noise was super loud in my head. And like, you know, uh, a client recently said, like, your thoughts are like bullies, <laughs> you know, they just bully you around. And so that thought bully was really loud. And I I thought, I'm just opened up a journal and I'm like, just have your way, say everything you want to say about me, just have the stage. And once I like gave it voice, like I literally wrote like three lines and that was all it had. And I was like, really, that's it? Like, I thought it was so much bigger. It felt so much louder. But once I just let it out, there was nothing else there. And then I could move on. And so for hyperachievers, they think having a place to just empty. And then beyond that, it can be incredible for, um, in fact, I was just talking with a client this week who she wanted to like prepare a little bit better before a meeting. So we have so many transitions in our day that we don't really manage our energy around and we're just kind of running from thing to thing. And so taking two to five minutes to just say, you know, what's the intention for this meeting or conversation I'm going to have? Who do I want to be? How do I want to show up? What's the ideal outcome here? Five minutes of that can be so powerful. For hyperachievers, we're so driven to that um, that achievement or that end goal or pushing through. Like you're saying that we often miss the moment to be vulnerable or the moment to connect with somebody on a deeper level or be curious about something and gather information we wouldn't have had that just to slow down, right? Um, because often what we really want is lives in that slowing down and, but our mind wants to tell us otherwise. Yeah. Yeah. So true. So when I journal, um, a lot of it is just about slowing down. A lot of it is about recognizing my mood um, and how that impacts my thoughts. Uh, a good chunk of it is also recognizing that my thoughts don't control me. I control them. Um, but then the other bit is the fact that the more you slow yourself down, the faster you grow. And that's <laughs> that's a really hard thing to get your head around when you've been when you're used to working really quickly. Yes. So true. I, I love what you said about, um, you know, a word of advice that I got years ago was don't believe everything you think. 
And I think, you know, just you brought up such an, a good point of, you know, really putting your thoughts out on paper to then kind of stand back and go realize that your thoughts are not you, like you said, and that you're actually in charge of them and you don't have to, you know, who who's in charge, you or your thoughts. And when you realize that you're actually in charge and you can really influence what you allow to hang out in your mind, um, there's, there's a lot of power there. And there was something else you said, but I, at the end there, I can't remember what it was now. The, the slow down to speed up. Yeah. The slow down to speed up. I think that's been, um, one of my hardest, but most valuable lessons that I'm still like in the midst of practicing, you know, as a hyperachiever, you just, you, you love to do, and you love to check the to-do list off and you love to achieve. And there's a real passion for it. And I think that's what makes it so hard to slow down is for a lot of years, my mind was like, I don't want to relax. I don't need to relax. I don't need to play more. I love to work. Like, just let me work. Let me at it. But I knew in my mind and intellectually that I needed to slow down because it was costing me things. And the more I've practiced and really kind of, in some ways, forced myself to create time for relaxation and play and adventure that all just becomes fuel for your work and every your productivity in every facet of your life yeah that's amazing exactly that so kind of the last point really is um how do we make sure this is all aligned with our values because like you said it's very easy to write a list of business values and stay aligned to them. Most most CEOs and high achievers are good at that because that's kind of what helps them sell. But when it comes to um, following that in your personal life, it can be trickier. For sure. <laughs> For sure. Um, yeah, so I think the first thing is knowing what your values are and that might feel like a hard thing to do, but what I find with most people is that they're, they're, your values are already there. Like if you start looking around you, they'll become pretty obvious, especially if you're talking with some, somebody else can help you discover what those are if you can't see them yourself. Um, but really getting clear about what those are. And there, there are plenty of exercises out there to kind of help you define what your values are. Um, but I, I want to share a story that I think will um, kind of convey it more, um, I guess, just better is when I was a new mom, I was starting to feel like my own sanity was slipping away. And I started writing daily just what I was feeling. And I would write periodically throughout the day, just how I felt. And over a period of time, I did that. And then I went back in those journals for whatever reason and I was reading them and really realizing that, wow, like if I follow my feelings, what I feel, like what I noted in my journal was that my feelings were all over the place on any given day, um, you know, up and down and all over. And I realized that if I follow my feelings, I'm not going to get anywhere and I better know what I'm committed to. And so I have this concept called, you know, feelings versus commitments. Like, are you letting your feelings run your life or your commitments? And so once you have your values, you can really turn those into commitments. And it might just be a set of three or five that you put on a sheet of paper and 
have in front of you. Like there's been periods of my life where I literally read those every single day. And it just is kind of a guiding force to remind you of who you are, what you're committed to and and what you want to show up for. And when you start showing up to your values or your commitments more of the time, you start to create traction and mobility in these areas of your life that you hadn't before. And so that, that would really be what I would say to aligning with your values and the consistency um, is really the key part is just showing up consistently to that in the little moments of your life. So it can almost be like a, a filter that you run things through, like, you know, would, would this action align with my values? And I think that's what we do in business, right? With this decision, you know, align with the culture and the business we're trying, trying to create in your personal life. It's like, would this align with the life I want to create? Yeah, for sure. The whole, uh, it's very easy to say what you would and wouldn't do in front of a client. So why on earth would you do that in front of your husband or wife? That, that kind of like, why wouldn't you apply the same approach? That's right. And a lot of times it can be like blind spots, though. It's not like we're, you know, being inauthentic or, um, but a lot of times these things are blind spots. Like if you look at, you know, marriage or even parenting, um, a lot of times if you ask somebody, you know, what they want for their children, they'd be like, oh, I want happy, independent children. But if you look at their parenting, they're micromanaging their every decision their kids make. So it's totally out of alignment with the best of intention, right? But they can't see it. And so that's where, you know, the the work you and I do with coaching and consulting people really helps because sometimes it is like a blind spot you can't see. And so, but when you can get those, your thinking and your behaviors and your actions all working in the same direction with your values and what you want for your life, amazing things start to happen. That's where the money <laughs> That's right. So I've got two last questions. Okay. I ask every guest these questions. Um, what's the best mistake you've ever made? Well, the first one that comes to mind is really my divorce. Um, you know, like that was such a failure at the time. Um, I never imagined myself divorced. I never thought I would be divorced. I didn't come from a family of divorce and it was really hard, but that was the single biggest pivot moment in my life to really start to do everything that we're talking about. And it changed the course of everything in my life. So that was a pretty big one. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you for sharing that. I really appreciate that. Um, and yeah, I think very often it, you know, the easy answer to that question is, oh, I work too hard. That's my best mistake. That kind of sort of surface level crap. <laughs> but what you've, like, you've been really honest there, and I really appreciate it because there will be a lot of people listening to this that maybe need to make a big change and, or, or maybe feel a victim of a big change. And actually, that, that big change. Is there opportunity? Mm, I love that. There's so often there's, um, you know, it's one kind of thread, I think, inside of my coaching that always comes up is just there's there's always an opportunity or a possibility inside of that big obstacle that we're facing. And when you can ask yourself, you know, what what's the opportunity or what's the possibility or 
what's the way I can show up differently to this moment to, you know, really kind of shift the direction um, closer to your values and being in alignment. Yeah, I love that. And the final question, which is a little bit easy. <laughs> what's your favorite film and why? What's the movie? I can't even think of the name of it. But there's a movie and I, I couldn't even tell you what exactly happened in the movie but it's like the it's um holland's opus do you remember can you help me out here not a clue (laughs) oh gosh i can't remember the name of it but the essence of it is overcoming and it's you know it's it's always the movies where it's like this there's this defeat and overcoming and I think that's just the the theme in my life that I just have been kind of um, always on a mission to just be better, just a little bit better. And and I think anytime I see somebody overcome what they thought they were capable of or what seemed like the end becomes the new beginning, like that's the, yeah, that's yeah, the yeah. theme that just like it just lights a fire in me. I love that. that, Mr. that Mr. Be, Hall, I think it's Mr. Away. Holland's opus. And it's a teacher cool. with young students and a really cool story. Yeah. Nice. I love that. Yeah. That's a huge thing of when you realize that, that you'll never get there. <laughs> that's when life becomes really fun. So true. And for hyperachievers, we always think there's a get there. Right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We always think there's a get there, but when you, exactly, when, when you can understand that and live inside of that, but not be a victim to it is when you're right. Life just gets super rich right where you are. Carly, you've been a fascinating guest. What's the best way for people to get in touch with you? Yeah. So you can uh, find, find me at carlareeves.com. I have, you'll find the podcast there, but the podcast is called Differently and it's on your favorite podcast player and yeah those are those are the two best ways awesome thank you for coming on the stay hungry podcast thank you so much this is delightful